When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. Hello and welcome to the Last Stand, the unfiltered straight talk from some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. I am Brian Custer, and today's guest comes from the sport of boxing. He's the former WBA super lightweight champion of the world, now one of the top contenders. At 140 pounds, he's known as Rougarou. He's none other than Regis Progray. Regis, welcome to The Last Stand. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> well, it's good to have you because uh, on Halloween night, you're back in the ring, and it'll be almost well well over a year since you have fought. Um, and in this, this time of COVID, mm-hmm. fighters having to be cautious, any fear of ring rust when you get back into the ring? Um, to be honest, no, I don't, you know, and, and I, I know a lot of people say to be honest, but I'm really honest about it. I really, it's, I don't have a fear because like I've been training since, you know, since like, I mean, since my last fight, of course, I fought a year ago. It's, um, it'll be almost exactly you. I fought the last, last year, October 27th. So, you know, the 31st, you know, a year, uh, almost exactly a year ago. But, I mean, I've been trained the whole time. Like, I literally been trained the whole time. I had a few fights that fell out. Um, I was in, like, I was already in, like, three training camps already. So, I don't feel like I'll have ring rust. Um, of course, you know, we'll see. When it happens, when I do fight, you know, we'll always see. But, I mean, I kind of been training the whole time. The, I mean, the whole time since since the um, corona disease hit, I've been training. You know, before the, the, before the corona, I've been training. And during the corona, I've been training. So, um, and I've been in already was in like three training camps already. So, um, I don't think I'll have ring rust, but of course you never know. Give me your thoughts because you're going to be fighting on the same pay-per-view card as Gervonta Davis and Leo Santa Cruz back in your, uh, new adopted home state of Texas and in front of fans. So it will be the first major boxing card in front of fans. What are your thoughts? I mean, I'm blessed, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, every time things just keep getting better and better and better, you know, like when they told me, you know, this was going to happen, this event was going to happen, this event was going to happen. I was just, oh, of course, I was very happy about that. But now, you know, they moved it a week later and having fans now. And it's like, I mean, it's, this could be a, a, a huge card on Halloween. Um, I have a very, very busy October, but you know, um, I, I mean, I can't wait, man. I really can't wait. This is, this is, this is a, this is going. I think this is going to be a major event. Um, historic wise, I think it'll be good because this is the first. This is the first. I, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first sporting event that's going to have fans since, um, you know, um, since the Corona happened. So, I mean, I'm just very excited to be a part of this, and I just, you know, I've been, I've been kind of training my ass off, and I'm gonna go out there and do my thing. Certainly a first for the sport uh, of boxing. First time in the ring for you since you, you suffered your only loss to Josh Taylor over there uh, in Scotland where uh, you mm-hmm. lost your title. 
biggest lesson you learned from that fight? When you look back on it, you looked at the video, and when you think back on that, biggest lesson you took from that fight? Well, first off, I still thought I won. You know, honestly, you know, I, I feel like, you know, if it was, if it was here, I, and, I, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't want people to look and say he's making excuses. No, I feel like if the fight was here, I, I don't, not saying excuses, I don't want people to look at this and say, um, you know, they robbed me because they didn't rob me. The judges didn't rob me. But I do think, I do feel that if the fight was here in the U.S., I would have gotten the nod. I definitely feel that. You know, it was a very, very close fight. Um, but the main thing, I mean, it was a, it was a good fight, and Josh Taylor was a very, very good fighter. But I just feel like I just fell asleep. I mean, I know what I did. I fell asleep in the middle rounds. You know, I gave up the middle rounds, and that's kind of what I did, you know. So um, that's the biggest lesson I learned. But it's something I, I learned about myself, you know. Prior to that, prior to that fight, I didn't know if I can go to war for 12 rounds. I mean, we, me and Josh Taylor, we fought 12 hard rounds. It wasn't, you know, um, I fought 12 rounds before against Terry Flanagan, but, you know, I kind of outboxed them, and I was real slick. Me and Josh Taylor, we went to war for 12 rounds, and I didn't know that about myself. I didn't, I didn't know if I could do that. You know, I know I can beat people up and stuff, but I usually I'll stop them, I'll knock them out, but I did it 12 rounds. I mean, I, we went to war, and it was an intense pace the whole time, and I didn't know if I, I really questioned myself, and I didn't know if I can do it or not, you know, stamina-wise, but I did it, and, you know, now I really answered that question about myself. I can go 12 really hard rounds and then even more, you know, because I actually, the last three, the last two and three rounds, I picked it up. I picked up the pace on them, you know. So um, that, I mean, but the main thing, just going back to your question was I just, I fell asleep. I know I fell asleep in the, I fell asleep in the middle rounds and, you know, that's, that's all. And that, yeah, I just, I kind of just needed like a slap in the face, basically. I just need somebody to slap me in my face, wake your ass up go knock this dude out and that's all I needed but you know we I didn't have that in the fight so you know but it's it's a learning lesson so on Halloween night uh you're gonna be taking on the unbeaten Juan Araldez uh mm -hmm. certainly a step up in competition uh for him what should boxing fans expect when you two get into the ring um, I mean, as far as his side, I can't, I can't say what he's going to do. Right. But as far as me, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm going to go out there and do my thing. I'm going to go out there and have fun. Um, I really enjoy boxing, boxing, something, you know, I, I love to do. I'm going to go out there and just, just have a lot of fun, do my thing and, 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 and try to steal a show and be spectacular. That was my whole thing coming up. I always, it's not about it's not just about winning, it's how you win. You know, I don't want to be a boring fighter. My style is exciting and I'm going to bring that, you know, and then that's, that's what I bring to the table. I bring exciting style to the table. You know, I have, I have defense. I have, you know, off, of course, a lot of offense, a, a, a shitload of power. You know, I definitely have a, a strong chin. You know, it's, it's not too many people that can definitely hurt me, you know. So um, I'm just going to go out there and just give the fans what they want to see. And that's, being excited, and that's what I'm going to do. Now, Herodes, I don't know. I can't speak for him, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out there, and I'm, I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to do my thing, and I want to be spectacular. You know, you uh, recently negotiated a, bu a buyout uh, with your promoter, Lou DiBella, and you mm -hmm. signed this uh, one-fight deal with the PBC. Uh, not top rank, but PBC. Tell, tell me why. <sighs> Al Heyman, man. Al Heyman just always – you know, Al Heyman takes care of his fighters and just gets his gets his fighters paid, you know. And I, I just think, like, this stage of my career, this is where I need to be, you know. Um, I didn't do the top rank thing because, I mean, the, it, 
they basically they didn't promise me what I wanted. Top rank. What I wanted is what I want to be is a world champion again at 140. That's before I moved to 147. I would have to be. It's just something in my heart. I want to be. I want to be a champion again at 140. So top rank couldn't promise me Josh Taylor or Jose Ramirez. They just couldn't promise it to me. So I was just like, well, if you can't promise it to me, then I'll go somewhere else. You know, I have to go. I have to go do something else. You know, so because that's that's really what I wanted and. You know, I'll just be fighting basically, you know, people that that doesn't have the belt, that's not a champion and stuff like that. So if I'm not going to do that, um, I, I'll, I'll do something else, basically. So hopefully, you know, I, I do. But like I said, I, I still it's kind of hard to talk about those things. But, you know, without saying the wrong stuff, you know what I mean? But um, but anyways. Yeah, I just I want to be a champion again at 140. So that's and, and they couldn't promise that to me. So I left it alone. And so going forward, are we going to see you on the PBC platforms? Um, or is it just a one-off? I think, I mean, I can't say it's a one-off, you know. Um, I really can't say it's a one-off. I talked, I actually talked to, you know, um, the, the the man yesterday. We called him the man, the legend yesterday. And, you know, he said, you know, we going to, I think this going to be a real good fit for you. So, um, I, you know, most likely I, I'll be over, I'll be at PBC. Uh, talking about the PBC, uh, we had a PBC fighter uh, here on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, Adrian Broner. And uh, we brought your name up as a future fight uh, for Adrian Broner. Uh, recently, Regis Progray has talked about sure. fighting you. Uh, he's now signed with the PBC. Is that fight realistic in your future? Um, yeah, it can be realistic, but he don't got nothing for me. That's just a, that's another... That's another, that's nothing. Your response to Adrian Broner? I mean, I've been hearing that from Adrian Broner already. You know, like, I I think it'll be a huge fight. You know, I I definitely think it'll be a huge fight one day. Um, I just got to, you know, I got to do my thing. You know, I got to do my thing on Halloween night. And that's, it's a fight I wanted for a long time. You know, when I fought my, I fought Joel Diaz on, you know, on Showtime, you know, a few years ago. I called out Adrian Broner and Terrence Crawford. You know, I've been on Adrian Broner for a long, long time. Um, and I, I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a great fight, but I, I, I actually don't plan on winning that fight. I plan on stopping. Like, just winning. Not just – I don't plan on just winning that fight. I, I, I plan on, you know, I, I want to be the first person to stop AB. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it'll be a – a tough task. I don't, I don't, I don't think I can just beat him. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, I really think like I can, like, I really feel like I can stop him. I'm not, if that fight ever happens and I'm in training camp, I'm not going to the fight. I'm not going into training camp to beat him. I'm, I'm just not, that's not something I'm not going to do. I'm going to go into training camp thinking I'm going to, I have to stop him basically, you know, so that's, I think, and that'll be, that'll make a huge statement to the boxing world, you know, because AB is tough, don't get me wrong, you know, he took a, he took a beating from uh, Marcus Maidon, he still lasted the whole 12 rounds, you know, he fought Pacquiao, he fought Mike Garcia, you know, he fought some good, he fought some good opponents and stuff like that, you know, but if, um, you know, if I go out there and stop him and do what I say I'm going to do, that'll make a huge, huge statement, and um, that's what I want to do, so I mean, and then me and AB, we kind of, we had words, like, indirectly through, through, like, mutual friends, basically. You know, he knows a lot of the same people I know, like, in the hip-hop community and all that type of stuff. So, we had, you know, me and him, we have, we always have those indirect words, you know. So, I think, I think it'll be a fun fight. I think it'll be a huge fight. And I think, 
if we do the fight at 140, that'll be the biggest fight. You know, nobody won't pay attention to nobody else. If they, if it, that'll be the biggest fight at 140 they can make between me and him, you know, because both of us got loud mouths. I'm not going <laughs> to stop talking. He's not going to stop talking. You know, we both got big personalities. We, we both know the same people. We both come from the same type of place. So I think it'll be, I think that'll be a huge fight. Yeah, because I, I think I read your quote was, Adrian Broner, he's a clown. And he was certainly dismissive of you when I brought your name up. What, what do you think of Adrian Broner as a person? I mean, I think he's a clown, bro. Like, and, and, and when, listen, when I say clown, I mean, it, I'm not meaning in a horrible, bad way, because I could be a clown sometimes. I'm pretty sure everybody could be a clown sometimes, you know, but I think he, I think he could be the bad type of clown. I think, I definitely think sometimes he is the bad type of clown, but I think he could, you know, the good type of clown too. He just, uh, uh, he just, this how he is, you know, like I actually, I met Adrian Broner, uh, I want to say the first time he came to Savannah's boxing gym and he was fighting on like a Juan Diaz undercard. And that's when Juan Diaz was like the champion and stuff. And so I met him and he was like showing me all his kids. I don't know if he remember that, but I met him in the gym and he was like, that was way before he was like the Adrian Brown. That was like, he had a few fights and stuff. So he was like a nobody. And I was still an amateur at the time. And like, we kind of sat, like, like how I'm sitting right now, he was like sat next to me and just showing me all his kids. It was just real friendly, you know? So I don't think he's like a, don't get me wrong, I don't think he's like a bad person or like that, you know? I just think that's just his personality. He's a, he's a funny man. He's a, he, he could be a clown both ways you know and and most people that know him personally they say you know agent brown just a funny person that's just how he is it's not like he's a bad person he's just that's just him you know he's just a a clown so he could be a clown both ways basically um you and maurice hooker you guys were supposed to fight as you talked about uh here at the beginning a couple of times uh this year first time it was it was canceled because of COVID. then you guys couldn't come to an agreement on on a catch weight he's obviously Mm -hmm. has since moved up to welterweight 147 and said, and I want to quote him, uh, that you knew that you guys weren't going to fight. And then you started talking, quote, like a little girl. He's childish, end quote. What's your response to that? I know he, listen, bro, I feel like Maurice, me and Maurice, now me and Maurice took a definitely have bad blood. You know, I, I think we just don't like each other, whatever. Um, I said some things about him, but I try to make the fight happen. And I, I didn't, I didn't go, I didn't, I wasn't talking because I didn't, I didn't, the, the fight wasn't totally salvaged yet. I thought that I was talking to make him try to make the weight so we can actually do the fight, you know, and I can expose Maurice Hooker because we was actually on FaceTime together. You know, I don't have to expose him, but we was actually on FaceTime together and stuff like that. But anyways, you know, the whole And he was going, he was going to come down to the catch weight because he was saying he, you knew that he was going to be at 147 and that he had no plans of coming down. That's what he's saying now. But he said he was trying to – basically, he was trying to, like, make the weight. They said he was trying to make the weight. That's what I he, – he, he told him, listen, on FaceTime, we was talking on FaceTime. He said, I need to talk to my cousin and stuff like that, see if I can make the weight. We was like, bro, make the fucking weight. Like, you need to make this weight. I don't plan to go – I don't plan to go to 147 unless I'm a champion again at 140. That's my goal. That's my personal goal. I'm not going to change it unless it's for a shitload of money, of course. Money changes everything. We know that. but. That's just my personal goal. I want to be at 140. I want to be, stay at 140. I want to be a champion again at 140 before I move up to 147. Um, the fight originally, before Corona, the fight was April 17th, and it was, um, yeah, it was scheduled for April 17th, and it was supposed to be at 140. He couldn't make 140, so we agreed to 143. It was like, fine, we could do 143. 
then Corona hit. Of course, that got that 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 whole um that whole fight, you know, went down the drain. Then um we tried to bring it back, and he was like, he's too big. He's at one for he's gonna he gonna try to come back at one forty seven. I was like, I'm not going to one forty seven. How about we do one forty four? I'll give him a pound. First off, he's supposed to be at one forty, but I'll give him the pound. Now it's four pounds. Because it, it, it was supposed to be at 40. Then after that, it was supposed to be at 43. I give him the pound. Let's do 44. I think he told Dan Raphael he can make 145. And at first, I was, I think it was like kind of uh, who was the head honcho type of thing. Because I was like, I'm not making 145. Let's do 144. You could drop another pound. And he was saying the same to me. You can come up with another pound. So then I was like, you know what? Like, no, let's not do that. Then I just told my manager, I was just sick of waiting. I, I told him, let's do 145. I'll, all right, we'll do 145. And um, he, my manager came back and was like, they, they, they at 147. They're not, they're not doing 140, nothing except at 147. So I was just like, whatever. And then after that, I don't know what he talking. I kept talking. I just left it alone. I just, mm. I knew we were, after I knew he wasn't fighting, I wasn't talking no more. Unless people, yeah. unless somebody asked me about it, you know, but I didn't, I didn't say nothing about his name no more. After I knew he wasn't fighting, it's no point. I'm not gonna talk about him and stuff like that after that. And I wrote him on, I think I put something on Instagram about him. And he wrote me saying, like, you all talk or something like that. I said, make the weight, you can see who all talk. If you make make that weight and you can see who all talk. And um, he said, and then he texted me, um, he wrote me on Instagram saying, I'm at 147, do you? And that was it. So he's at 147, I'm at 140, whatever. And that fight got salvaged, so whatever. So it sounds like that ship has sailed when it comes to Maurice Hooker. For right now, you know, for right now, I, I will go up to one forty-seven. But I, I just think, like you know, he just listen. I saw I saw a picture of him in training camp, like when he was huge, and that's probably why he he was whatever he was doing. He was he was huge, um, and that's why he couldn't make the weight and stuff like that. It's not it's not why should I be faulted because you can't make the weight. That's, it don't make sense. For me, it doesn't make sense. Like, I should be faulted because I'm fighting at my original weight. He's still ranked at 140 right now. You're supposed to be at 140. You the one can't make 147 because you're too big. You ate too much or whatever you did. I don't know what he did, but he was huge. I saw him, I, and I post, and I think maybe that's probably what got him because I post, that was, I think that was the last little poke I did at him because I posted a picture of him jump roping. His stomach was huge, way out. And it was huge. So I think that's why he was like, maybe he kept talking after that. That was, that was the last thing. I just wanted to poke at him just a little longer because you're just undisciplined, you know? Like, we are, you're a fighter. You get paid high six figures, seven figures to, to fight, and you're undisciplined. You're that big. It doesn't make sense. You know, I, like I said, I've been training the whole time. I never got that big. I've never been that big in my life, you know? So, you know, but that's yeah. – I mean, <laughs> well, let's talk about you because obviously from New Orleans, how does a kid from New Orleans get into the sport of boxing? Honestly, bro, I just, I just grew up fighting. I just grew up on the street. I grew up fighting. You know, that was the main thing. I just, I, I mean, I played every sport. I did like, I did karate when I was young and I remember like going to karate and then like, I kept quitting because I played football, played basketball, I ran track. And I remember I was like a good swimmer and stuff. I still am a good swimmer, but I was a good swimmer. The coaches wanted me to be on the swim team, but I, I just, I kind of didn't want to do it. But I always was like an athlete and I always could do all kinds of things. But fighting was something I just love to do. Like, I, I'm, I don't have to be, like, I remember getting in fights in school and I wasn't mad about the fight. Like, I would like to do it. I love to fight. It wasn't like, oh, I'm mad at this dude, so I'm going to fight him and stuff. Like, I'd be 
I'm happy to fight. You know, I can smile. I can smile. I can fight with a smile on my face. You know, that's just how it was. Um, and I remember going to like karate, and I kept quitting. I kept quitting and going back and stuff like that. And one day, like I went back, and I was already like fighting on the street with the gloves. And I went to karate, and I hit somebody with those little bitty gloves on, and I hurt them. And the sensei, the sensei was like cool with my parents and stuff like that. So they was just like, man, you got to Like, you got to take him. He got to go box. He cannot do karate no more. Because I, and at that time, I stopped kicking. I didn't want to kick no more. I was just like, all right, I want to kick no <laughs> I just want to throw them hands. Yeah, I just want to throw my hands. That was it. And I was like strong. I was always strong for my size because I like, I played football and I was like lifting weights at an early age and stuff like that. So um, I hit somebody and I really hurt them in the karate. They had to stop the whole karate, you know, because in karate, the objective of the sport is to like, just get the point. You pull back your points. In boxing, right. it's the total opposite. You punch yes. through your opponent. Yes. Right? So, yep. Um, so, I mean, they kind of kicked me out of there. Then um, I think I was probably like 12 or something. And then I started playing football and I played football like all in like high school and all that type of stuff. And we was, we used to always in New Orleans, we were like the football players were getting the boxing gloves. And like one day I just went in the, I went in the room and I heard, I heard all this noise and it was a room and like in New Orleans is corrupt. So the teachers and all that was in there. Teachers, girls, cheerleaders, all that was in the, in the, in the room. So I went in there and they opened the door, everything got quiet and they opened the door and it was like, man, you can't come in unless you fight. And, and then they had, they already had a dude in the middle of the classroom with some gloves on. And they, they basically like, I was like, I just looked around, one of my partners looked at him, his name is Shady Boo, he dead now, but he looked at me, was like, he kind of gave me that look. And I was like, all right. And I put the gloves and I whooped the dude, I whooped him bad. And then after that, every, and I was known as, it's, it's crazy we talk about AB being a clown, but I was known as a clown in school too. I was like a class clown. That's what I would always do, be bad and stuff like that. So everybody knew me as a class clown, they didn't know I can fight. So I went and I whooped the dude, then all of a sudden my reputation just changed. I, I was known as being a fighter, a good fighter, and um, not a clown no more. So <laughs> then, yeah, then I, I went to, you know, I, we'll do that like every Friday. We'll get in the gloves. And I just kept whooping it. I kept beating everybody. I just kept whooping them, kept whooping them. And then one day, the football coach, one of the, I think the off offensive coordinator, football coach, he was in there. And I, like I said, I was still playing football. And he told me, he pulled me after, he pulled me to the side after we was done. He was like, look, bro, like, I don't think you have a future in football, which I didn't. I know I didn't, but you have. You probably do have a future in fighting. And that same week, I turned in my football equipment to the coaches. I didn't want to do it no more, and I kind of was – I kind of didn't want to do it anyway, but that kind of confirmed everything. And I turned in my football equipment, and I just – I went to the boxing gym the next week. And at that time, um, it was – I was in 10th grade, the middle of the school year. So my grade – I was going to the gym for like a month. My grade started dropping, so my mama took me out. And then I had to start again in the summertime and around May when school ended. And then, of course, Hurricane Katrina hit that August. So I was only, you know, I was only, you know, boxing for like a, like three months or something like that before Hurricane Katrina hit. And You, um, you know, the sad part of that, Regis, is that those are teachers and they letting y'all fight in school. That's, that's, yeah. to me, that's crazy. This <laughs> is a place like no other place in the country, man. It's corrupt, man. It's, it's mob running. That's just how it is, you know. And so the teachers, the but listen, if that teacher had never been, I would never been talking to you right now. If that teacher right. never turned in my equipment, he said, "Look, you don't have future football, but you do have it in fighting." If I would never did that, I would never be talking to you right now. So I'm glad that that. I hope this teacher see this and, uh, you know, come up to me one day and be like, "Man, I'm the one that told you that." 
There you go. There you go. Uh, And you talked about Hurricane Katrina because that hit when you were a teenager. How did that Hurricane Katrina, um, how did that affect you in in your your fighting career? Um, So, I mean, I mean, it was like, I just had to just move around. First off, when when Katrina hit, I was like, I was, I was sixteen. I just started, you know. So when um yeah, when Hurricane Katrina hit, um I just moved around. Like we went from I went to five different high schools, just moved around city to city, moving it, living in hotels and all that. Um I came to Houston first, you know where I'm at now. I came to Houston, then I went to Slidell, then I went to Mississippi, and then I came back to Houston. Then once I came back to Houston, that's when um yeah, once I came back to Houston, that's when I started like I started going to Savannah boxing gym, and that's when I like kind of started boxing and stuff. Mm. Um, I, you know, I, I I read about you, and and at the beginning of your career, it's hard to believe you basically made nothing. It seemed like yeah. for the like the first what ten fights of your professional career. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, um, yeah, like the first ten fights. Yeah, and and Lou DeBella had signed me after my tenth fight, but yeah, my first ten fights, bro. Like I was making. And I, my first fight, I made, I think, like $500. My second fight, I made $50. Um, and then after that, third fight, I think I made a little something. But my fourth fight, I made $0. I still have the check. It's a $1 check because they have the, the promoter has the pay. So it was a $1 check, and I still have that check. And I made that same $1 check for, you know, like three fights, you know. And um, But I just kind of always believed in myself. That was just something about me. I always believed in myself. And... Um, I felt like I was always going to be here, you know, so it's, you know, and then I didn't have a manager at the time and we had money and stuff. So, you know, basically we'll just be paying for our own fights. You know, you, you go to those club shows, you know how it is. You go to those club shows, you got to pay, you got to pay for your opponent and selling tickets and stuff. So that's what I had to do. I had to sell tickets and I still was, I still came out the um, amateurs as a, uh, in Olympic trials from the Olympic trials. So the opponents would want a lot to pay, you know, a lot of money and stuff. So I wouldn't make nothing. My opponents would want, you know, like $3,000 and stuff like that. So all the tickets, basically all the tickets I sold went straight to my opponent. So I would make weight, do all that stuff and just don't get paid. And it went like that. Like I said, it went like that for 10 fights, you know? Mm. And um, then after that, you know, Luda Bella picked me up. Luda Bella took a chance with me. That's why I'll always be grateful for Luda Bella because he took a chance with me. And then after that, you know, I, I just saw it off. Yeah, now look at you now, man. Uh, making big checks now, huh? Uh, big, check, big checks. Man. Big checks now. Uh, right. Regis, give me the one fighter who's had the biggest influence on you and your career. Um, Mike Tyson was always my favorite fighter, basically. Mike Tyson, Duran, and Pernell Whitaker. You know, um, that's that was always like – but Mike Tyson was just – I just remember being – um like watching – watching like highlights and stuff like that of course because i'm you know i'm not the age where mike tyson was fighting and stuff like that so i watched his highlights and i was like i want to be like that dude one day like this little short stocky man just knocking all these these giants out you know like the david and goliath type of thing he was just knocking these dudes out like it wasn't nothing and i was like i want to be like him one day and then you know i started getting older i started looking at more boxing then i I discovered reverse to Durant, and Durant is amazing like oh my god his skill set is just crazy and then pernell whitaker um, is a southpaw, you have to watch Pernell Whitaker. You just have to. You know, it's just something, it's like, it's required studying. Requ- like they're doing school, required reading. You got to watch Pernell Whitaker as a southpaw, you know. And um, But now lately, I'm getting older and I'm realizing, because I will watch, I mean, I watch thousands of films, thousands. I have downstairs in my, like, my archive, I have 
hundreds and hundreds, thousands of tapes. Like, so I watched almost every fight all the way from like the 1900s to the 1930s and 40s and 50s, 60s, all the way 2000, all that, you know? So, but now I'm just being myself. It's better to be myself, you know, because I always try to do something like these fighters, you know, like all the time in the ring, all uh, my fights coming up and stuff like that, I would, I would try to imitate like, you know, another fighter. And I wouldn't try to be me. I'll be like, I would be another fighter in the ring. Like, I'll be like, I'm Duran today. Like, this in this fight, I'll be like Duran. In this fight, I'll be like Cornell. In this fight, I'll be like, but now I'm coming out and I am, now I'm the Ruku. I'm really, I'm me. I'm Regis now. Um, who's the uh, one fighter fighting today that even you enjoy watching? When he's on, you're like, you know what? I got to turn it on. I got to watch this guy fight. It's a few, man. Pacquiao, Pacquiao, Pacquiao. Pacquiao, the legend. The legend Pacquiao, of course. You know, he's a legend. He's one of my top two. You know, definitely um, Pacquiao. Um, but as far as, like, you know, new gener newer generations, um, the Charlo twins, you know, we grew up together. And there was, and to be honest, man, Marlon Mel, like, there was a big inspiration to me because we, like, I used to go pick the, I'm a, I'm a year older than them, so, you know, I, I had a car before them. And I used to go pick these dudes up to go to the gym. You know, and like it's crazy to see like their world. You know, I was a world champion too, but they're still world champions. They just fought in their first pay per view double header. That was crazy. And like I remember me and, and me and Mel catching the bus to the gym before. You know, like my car had broke for a little while, so me and Mel would catch the bus. Like we would like hang together all the time in high school and stuff like that. And like I just I always tell them, bro, y'all was inspirations to me because you know y'all started making way for like at the time they was when I first got to Savannah they was like. They was like high level amateurs and stuff, and I was just getting up. But I was don't want to brag, but I was I was good enough. I had to spar with them, basically. You know, they used to kick my ass, but I used to have to spar with Marlon Mel or whatever, and um, cause I couldn't spar the, the the starters, you know, cause I would be whooping their ass and stuff like that. So I had to spar with Jamal and Jamel, and you know, we just got real close. You know, from there we just always got like real close, and we would. I mean, I got a lot of stories with these dudes or whatever, but, you know, those, that, them too, like, they real big inspiration and stuff like that because it's like, damn, y'all, you know, y'all, y'all, and there was world champions, of course, before me, and I remember Mel showing me some of his checks, like, damn, you getting paid that? that like, <laughs> I remember, like, him showing me a check from a sponsorship, and that's, like I said, that's what I was getting paid, nothing. Like, damn, you getting paid that from a sponsorship? Bro, this will be my whole. This will be my whole year, basically. And he getting that from a sponsorship check, and just showing me his checks and stuff, and like, dog, like I can really do this. Like they did it, I can really do this, you know. So that was that was always a, a big inspiration for me. Wow. All right, Regis. Uh, for those who come on the show, we always let people who watch um submit questions and we got a, a few here from social media for you. Uh, we'll get right to them. This one comes from Facebook. From Paulie, he says, can you beat my guy, Adrian Granados? Definitely. Of course. Granados, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, listen, another, you know what? I don't like beefing with these fighters. You know why? Because every time I beef with a fighter, we don't fight. Every time. Me and, Gr I think Granados was like one of the first people I was supposed to fight. And it just, it just kind of never happened. One, one of the first people we was we was going at it. I was going at it with stuff like that. We just never fought. But Granado's a cool dude too, man. We um, 
I met him um, in L.A. at a fight. Before I moved to L.A., I had met him in L.A. and stuff at a fight. And we was, you know, we was all cool taking pictures and stuff like that. But, yeah, Granados, yeah, I definitely will be Granados for sure. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I, like, I like Adrian Granados. Really cool cat. Uh, this one comes from Twitter. It says, what's the likelihood that you could face Mario Barrios since you two will be fighting on the same card? That might be a fight. I mean, it might. It, it, it could be. It definitely could be a fight. Um, we'll see. You know, we'll see what's we'll see what the plans is, you know. And he has he does have a belt also. He has the WBA regular. You know, I was I was the WBA super champion, but he has the WBA regular. So maybe, you know, that definitely could be a fight also. And, and for people who don't know, tell them what Rougarou means. Rougarou, baby, it's the swamp monster from New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? Louisiana swamps. This you're looking at him, you know. <laughs> That's what the Rougarou is. <laughs> it's, okay. It's, Folklore legend. Now, it's supposed to be real. Now, look, I done had some cousins that say they didn't see him. They, <laughs> it's they, like Bigfoot, huh? They didn't see him. But, yeah, they say that I had some cousins, they say that I didn't see the Rougarou. Basically, like, the Rougarou is, like, kind of like the, the boogeyman and stuff. Like, you tell kids the Rougarou going to get you if you don't go to sleep, you don't eat, brush your teeth, and all that type of shit. So, <laughs> that's what the Rougarou is or whatever. But, yeah, um, yeah. But I had some cousins seen the Rougarou, like, you <laughs> – <laughs> All, right. Okay. All right, Regis, we've come to the last segment of this show. We call it The Last Stand. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. I want the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Got it. All right, here we go. Best fighter right now at 140 pounds, in your opinion? Me, 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 me. At 140, me, of course. There's me. a couple of guys that got a couple of belts. I don't care about the belts, man. Listen, if I would if, if I would have got the nod against Josh Taylor, then who would have been the best? Me, You've been right? the unified champ. You've been the unified champ. With the ring magazine belt, and if I would have got the nod against him, if it was here, maybe that would have happened. Me, definitely, for sure. Me. Okay. Good, though. Uh, which is a New Orleans boxer biggest weakness? Gumbo, etouffee, red beans or rice, or beignets? Man, you know what? They got one more. It's women. Women <laughs> <laughs> First one, but probably the gumbo. If I had to pick from yours, it'd probably be the gumbo. <laughs> you yeah. too much. So that's every fight. It ain't just New Orleans fight, but that's every fight. And women and party. New Orleans, women and party. Okay. I got you. Okay, you've talked about moving up to fight guys like Mikey Garcia, Terrence Crawford. Which one of those fights you think is more realistic? Um... Maybe Mike Garcia over Terrence Crawford. You know, Terrence Crawford, uh, they say they're on the other side of the street, you know, so I don't think that'll happen, you know. But maybe uh, Mike Garcia fight. I okay. think that's realistic. Who's more New Orleans, Master P or Lil Wayne? Oh, man, that's hard, man. That's hard, bro. That's hard. <laughs> P, is, P is, like, up there. You know what I'm saying? P is, like, the man. But Wayne, my favorite rapper. Wayne is – Tune is, like – the man to us, right. like my generation. Give me that. I know my phone ring. Soon is like, the, you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, um, it, I, I, it's hard. I can't even. I can't even pick one. Okay, I'm gonna let you slide on that one. Last question. By this time next year, Regis Progray will be what? I'll be a champion again. I'll be a champion again. I have to be a champion again. Now I have I have some type of belt. I have, I'll be a champ. I have to be a champion again. Have to. Regis Progray, 
Man, I appreciate this time, my brother. Thank you, man. Thank you. Listen, I've folks, this, this is what we do on The Last Stand. We bring you the biggest names in sports and entertainment, just like Regis Progray. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. All right, man. Thank you. Have a good one.